You guys can have a seat. You got your Bibles, grab them. Uh, go to Matthew chapter 28. That's where we'll start, and then we're going to be all over the place. Um, you can try to keep up with me today if you want, but I'm going to be all over, but we will start in Matthew chapter 28. You guys okay? You doing good? Yeah? Okay? You alive? Kicking? Okay? Uh, it's, uh, it's good to worship the Lord. It's good to, uh, um, yeah, worship and worship and worship some more. Anybody need to stand, stretch, do some exercises, stretch out a little bit? Because I got a lot to say today, so I'm giving you an opportunity now just to move around a little bit. Go grab a snack. Go grab a cinnamon roll or something. I don't care. Um, uh, because I'm excited about what I want to share with you today. Um, and it's probably more than we have time for, and pro- so I probably won't get, won't get to everything. Uh, but let me just start by Josh. If you can just real quick throw that one graphic up there um, of the discipleship pathway I want to talk about today. You know, I want to share with you, I want to get to some real practical stuff. Like I want to, you know, I want to be able to answer the question because this is important for us to do and I always feel like coming into the first of the year is a good time to do that as a church. But just to answer the question, what in the world are we doing? Like is this, like obviously we're doing this, like we get together on Sunday mornings and we, and we sing and we sit under the authority of the word and we worship God in those ways and we worship God through taking communion, you know, at the end and remembering what Jesus did for us. Like, like we're doing that, but, but we gotta be doing more than that, right? Right? Like we gotta be doing, we gotta be doing more than that. Um, and uh, so I wanna be able to answer the question this morning, what are we doing, why are we doing it? You know, and where do you and where do you fit in? You know, at least in some sort of a some sort of a general way. I don't know that I can answer that specifically for every individual this morning, um, because I think a lot of times in church we lose sight of what God has called us to do. We lose sight of what we're actually doing. It's very easy to just do something over and over again and lose sight of the big picture of what He's called us to do. But Josh, you can take that down. But before we get to anything practical, guys, and this is so important in the church because so many times when we do start with what it is that we're trying to do, and again, we should be trying to to do something like we're trying to follow Jesus, we're trying to to carry out you know His mission, and He sets stuff before each one of us in our individual context, individually, and also uh, corporately as a church that He's set before us to do. But before we talk about what we need to do, we have to talk about what God's doing. And it's so important to get up high and to get a big picture of what's going on. And uh, one of the best places for that to start, I believe, is in Matthew chapter 28. This is the risen Lord Jesus. He died on a cross, a gruesome death, wrongly. He was treated unjustly. They shoved a crown of thorn thorns on his head and they put nails in his hands and his feet and they nailed him to a cross because they did not want to submit to his lordship because they were sinners just like each one of us that's why they killed him he did miracles over and over and over again that proved that he indeed was the Christ the Messiah God's anointed that he was God in the flesh and they killed him for it Because we as sinners do not want to be ruled by anybody, even a loving God that is willing to send his son. But Jesus is now risen, and this is what he says in Matthew chapter 28. Again, um, after Judas has betrayed him and he's been crucified and now risen from the dead. Matthew chapter 28, starting in verse 16, it says, The eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Isn't that incredible that that's in there? 
that they worshiped him, just like we got to do, but, but there was still some doubt. Some, some, some doubted. He'd risen from the dead. <laughs> they saw him dead, and now, and now he's alive, and yet still some doubted. And it speaks to the depth of the unbelief that can be in our hearts sometimes. That no matter what God does, we just are, our unbelief is not just a lack of faith. It is rebellion that God cannot do what he says he can do. Unbelief is sin. Even though some doubt, it doesn't stop him because Jesus knows that he has all authority. Verse 18, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth, in other words, everywhere in all the universe, has been given to me. Go therefore, in light of this authority that I have and that I'm giving to you, I'm sending you, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I am with you always even to the end of the age. Mercy Hill Church, where we need to start before we talk about the specifics of what it is that we're trying to do, we have to talk about what God is doing. And what God is doing is he is still seated on his throne, the risen Lord Jesus. And he still says to us this morning through his word, this commandment to us, go and make disciples of all nations. All nations. Every one of them. Does that seem like a tall order to you? Yes, anybody? It should it should seem like a tall order, and it was a tall order to them. One of the things that's just been striking me this past week as I've been thinking about this passage is that most of these guys now, not the 12 because Judas is gone, but uh, these 11, that they were, they were largely just Galilean peasants. They were fishermen. Most of, them were, most of them were from a little town named Capernaum, which is just a little seaside fishing village beside the Sea of Galilee. Most of them had never traveled farther than maybe 100 miles or 200 miles from their home. And Jesus takes them up on a mountain and he says, here's what I have for you to do. I want you to go, you 11, and I, and I want you to go. And so just what, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11. We got Adam and Martha and down. That's how, that's how big the group was, right over there. Okay, sorry, everybody's staring at you guys now. I know it's uncomfortable to see the back of your heads, but anyway. That's how many were there. And he says, all authority's been given to me. I'm sending you. Go and make disciples of all nations. I mean, they were like, huh? My point being is that if you're overwhelmed by the command this morning to go and make disciples of all nations, you're like, well, Eric, you know, that, that's, that's, that's some good preaching. Like, I know it's in the Bible. And of course, you know, make disciples. That's something we hear a lot in church. And so, yeah, you know, of course, I, like, I understand you're going to say that. You're going to tell us to do that. But come on, Eric. We live in Berlin. We live in Walnut Creek. We live in Sugar Creek. We live in Millersburg or Apple Creek or one of these other creeks, you know, that are around. And, you know, we, 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 you know, we come together and we're just a small little band. And, man, we don't even have our own building. And you've got an outhouse on stage. And, you know, there's chickens and hay in the background or whatever. Like, Eric, what, are we really going to reach all nations? Yes! Yes! Sorry, I feel myself getting aggressive. Um, but listen to me, folks. We serve the same risen Christ. We have the same thing that those 11 had on that day when Jesus took them up on a mountain. And he said, all authority in heaven and on earth is given to me. And I'm going to send you. 
And we have got to get that down in our hearts this morning. And listen, if you're visiting this morning, I'm not usually this angry, okay? I just want to say that like I'm a nice guy, I really am. Um, but like I, for those of you that call Mercy Hill home, guys, we've got to lift our eyes to what the risen Christ has called us to do. And he's not called us to come and just to sit on Sunday mornings. And many times we can't even do that because our lives are so busy. He has called us to make disciples of all nations. And if you don't have the power to do that, that's the right response. You don't. But Jesus does. All authority has been given to him. And he says to each one of us this morning individually and as a group that he is sending us. And he is worthy of absolutely every ounce of your life. He is worthy of every single decision that you ever, ever, ever make. Everything in your life deserves to be run through the grid of the lordship of Jesus Christ. And if you think that that's too much, if you think, man, does, does, he, really deserve, does he really deserve everything? Like every single decision? If that's the question that comes to mind when I say that he deserves everything, then I want to tell you something. Then you have not wrestled through what your sin cost him. The Bible says that each one of us was purchased with the precious blood of Christ and that we are not our own, but we were bought with a price and we belong to him. And the song that we sang a little bit ago about the great I am, he is the great I am. He is the eternal one. And he deserves absolutely everything. And guys, it's incredible because if this eternal one who has all authority is telling us to go, listen to me, we can't fail. We cannot fail. But I just, I, I don't need, I just want to stop and, and the Holy Spirit, please help me this morning because I just, I just want to plead with you. I want to plead with you from the outset to please, guys, you have to believe this. We have to believe this. We have to believe that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we have to believe that it doesn't matter how unqualified you feel or, or, or how maybe you don't feel, you know, like you have enough training or, or understanding or enough Bible. Like it doesn't, it doesn't matter if he has everything, amen? God is working today just like he was 2,000 years ago when he gave this command to these 11. He's working to reconcile all things to himself through the preaching of the gospel. This is where Paul said in Corinthians that God makes his appeal through us. And the appeal that we make is be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to him. Be made right with him. Um, and the gospel that we have to proclaim, I mean, we, you know, we could spend a lot of time, and you know, I've got some of this in my notes, and we just just don't have time, but guys, there's, there's like seven billion people in the world today. Um, less than half of them, for sure, I mean, even by the most generous estimates, less, or I'm sorry, more than half of them do not know Jesus. The majority of those, have ne they, they've never even heard his name. They, they don't know 
who he is. And the Bible says very clearly that like we're, we're not just preaching a gospel. We're not preaching a good news of life improvement. I mean, over the last several weeks, you've heard me talk about, or, or months, I should say, that you've heard me talk a lot about the difference between good advice and good news. Is that we, we, don't just have, we don't have a message of just good advice. Or just improve your life, just, just give your life to Jesus and things will be a little bit better, things will be a little bit easier. You can just kind of keep your life the way it is, but you know, he's like a little supplement that you take and if you add him to your life, like things will just get better and you'll have more energy and you'll wake up you know, with, more, with more joy. That's not the message that we have. The message that we have to proclaim is that God, the wrath of God is against us, all of humanity. And, and there's one way to be saved from that. It's through running to the cross. It's through coming into the way that he has made. The, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through him. And will his Holy Spirit give you love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and things like these? Absolutely. This is not just about your eternal life after you die. This is, this is definitely about life now. But guys, we're not just talking about life improvement. We're talking about eternal consequences for our own souls and also for the message that we have to take to the world. And, you know, and I just, you know, week to week, we come here on Sunday mornings or <coughs> We gather in small churches during the week or, you know, we get together for prayer meeting or we're having Bible study or whatever. Guys, we, we've got to keep in mind what it is that we're humbly, by God's grace, trying to do. And that is ultimately make disciples of all nations, asking him again. We can't really just send ourselves and just, but like, if the Holy Spirit says to go, you go. You don't question it. You don't say, well, that wasn't really in my plans. Again, I'm saying if he tells you to go to the other side of the world, or if he tells you just simply to go across the street and talk to your neighbor, or if maybe he tells you just to get up and go across the room to the person sitting at the other side of the coffee shop, you go. And all of life is to be under his authority, being led and guided by him for what he wants to do because, because we belong to him. And one of the things especially that um, has been on my heart for, for us and for this area uh, most recently, because again, I, you know, um, there's a lot of evils all around us. Uh, you know, Tom Hershberger will tell you even just the, the human trafficking issue and modern-day slave trade, um, it's a big issue even just down in Tusk County. It's not, it's not far from us. Um, and Tom is part of a group that, you know, works to, to help stop that. Like, there's, there's, we, we could go through and list all the thousands of evils that are all around us and how we as salt and light are to be involved and we're to stand against those things. Um, but primarily, again, not that those things are not important at all, we do, we do both. We work for all sorts of social justice issues because they matter, um, and they matter to God where people are suffering. But, but the thing, 
at the core of the message of what we want to do is that we have a message of good news, of God's grace. And one of the, the biggest issues that breaks my heart more than anything else is the bondage and the slavery of legalism that exists not just in this area but, but all over. And it's a distorted view of the grace of God. And so many people in our area, they live in bondage to it. Every day they wrestle with, does God really love me? Am I in or am I out? I was good Tuesday, but I was bad on Friday. I was a little better Wednesday, somewhere in between, I'm not real sure. And the message that we have to preach is one of God's grace that he offers to us in Christ, that in Christ Jesus, we have been blessed. If you are in Christ Jesus, you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. He withholds absolutely nothing from you if you simply trust him. And by trust him, not just say, pray a prayer and just say, I trust you, but literally just, I, Lord, here's my life. It's, it's yours. Do with it what you want. Uh, giving Jesus everything is not you getting the short end of the stick. <laughs> it's so much more uh, than we deserve. Um, because that's what God, that's what God is doing <laughs> in a nutshell. Is he still has all authority and he's still wanting to make disciples, but guys, he, he wants us to go. And so I'm gonna try to get into some practical things here um, in the word. You guys still with me? I didn't scare you off by yelling, okay? Um, <laughs> sorry, I can be a little overly intense sometimes, but I apologize that I will not apologize for it. Um, but I do wanna try to show you what we're doing and, and why it all matters. You can put that graphic back up on the screen, Josh. There's kind of four steps in what we call our discipleship pathway, and here's the deal. We call it a discipleship pathway because uh, discipleship is a map and not a menu, okay? Uh, this is not, discipleship is not you just come and we, and, and, church, and church just offers, uh, you know, a wide menu of different things. You got your, you know, your, your, your seafood and your, your steak and your salad and your appetizers and all these different things. You just kind of come and pick what you want. We're trying to go somewhere. Because central to the call to make disciples is what Jesus said. He said, here's what he said to him. He said, follow me. Follow me implies movement, that we're, that we're going somewhere. And so discipleship uh, is a map and not a menu. And so uh, there's, there's movement. We're trying, to, we're trying to go somewhere. But the first step in following Jesus, and this isn't just something that you do and then you move on from this, but it's something that you do when you come to him Colossians 2, 6, so then just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught. You came to him by faith. We continue to walk by faith from first to last. But the first step is simply that we have to believe. And here's what this means very practically, okay? I'm done big picture now. I'm coming back down onto the ground very practically. Brothers and sisters, you have to get in the word. You, you have to open up this book. 
You, you, you have to. Listen to me. I cannot do it for you. Nobody else can do it for you. What you're getting here on Sunday mornings, I believe in what I'm doing. I mean, I pray through it. I know I'm not the best preacher, but I try. I mean, I want to feed you. I believe in it. The Bible commands me to do, with, to do that, but that is not enough. You have to open up this book, and you have to get in it, and you have to know it. And listen to me. It takes effort. It takes effort. And one of the things we're starting, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this today because I'm going to unpack this more next week is that we're starting uh, in 2020, and we might do this every year, we're just gonna do it this year and see how it goes. We're starting a, a church-wide Bible reading plan. And we're just, it, it's very simple, it's very low ball. We're just gonna read one chapter a day, five days a week, and that will take us through the entire New Testament over the course of the year. And next, and next week, I'm gonna show you how not just, again, I, I don't mean to be um, uh, overly simplistic or, or talk as if you don't know how to do this, but, but some people don't, is, is like when you read the word, I'm gonna show you just how to, a, a few things to look for and, and how to just ask some questions of every text and how to write some things down and how to journal through that, okay? And so for the next year, our goal is to have every age on the same page, okay? I want you, moms and dads, I want you to be able to do this with your kids. It's just one chapter. Just read it with them at night and then pray with them before you go to bed. I'll get into that more next week, but we've, we've got to We've got to get into the word and we've also got to be in prayer together. Um, Colossians chapter three, verses 12 through 17. Again, I, I, I told you to bring a snack, right? I, and I gave you an opportunity to stretch. So if you still need to do that, you, you, you can, but I'm just getting started. So um, uh, Colossians chapter three, it says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Now listen to verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Now, here, here, here's the point, is that this is why this is so important. This is why it's so important for you to get into the word. Where Paul gives this command in verse 16 for you to let the word of Christ dwell richly in you individually is because the word that you're reading isn't just for you. The word that you're reading is for somebody else. He says, let it dwell richly in you. And in the context, he's talking about like body life, community life within the church. That when we come together, we would be able to admonish one another with all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in our hearts to God. Brothers and sisters, many of us are dry wells. We have no life in us because we have no life in us. And we have to together get into the word in a regular way where we let the word of Christ dwell richly in us. And then also we need, to be, we need to be in prayer together. And it's this mingling of the word of God. You've heard me say this before, this mingling of the word of God and the spirit of God that does the work of God. That's it. That's the secret sauce. That's the formula. It's nothing more and it's nothing less. It is the word of God and the spirit of God dwelling richly in the people of God. 
and God creates life. Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters, and God said, you've got darkness, you've got mess, you've got chaos, and you've got the Spirit of God, and you've got the Word of God. God said, let there be light, and there was light. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5 and 6, Paul picks up on the same thing on the way that we are changed. 2 Corinthians says, For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, he's quoting from Genesis chapter 1, he says, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. How did you become a Christian? Because the word of God and the spirit of God were hovering over the darkness of your heart and God spoke and a miracle took place. That's what happened. And the same Miracle takes place in and around our lives over and over and over again as we let the word of God dwell richly in us and as we go to prayer, trusting in God. The first step as a disciple is to be into the word and prayer um, uh, that our hearts would be continuously um, ones of light shining in dark places. But guys, we can't rightly worship God if we don't rightly know God, and we can't obey God's commands if we're not familiar with those commands. We cannot emulate a life, namely the life of Jesus, if that life is not continually set before us in his word. And so know that uh, if you call Mercy Hill home in 2020, we're gonna be calling you to get into the word more for yourself. Um, And I think that it's, I'm just excited to do it, uh, we've done this a little bit in the E2 course this past, this past year, knowing that there's other people reading the same passage of Scripture every day, but I'm excited to see what God does among us as we're each committed to just reading one chapter a day, the same chapter, knowing that other brothers and sisters within our fellowship are reading that chapter, trying to let it get, getting in that chapter until that chapter gets down into them, and the Word of Christ dwells richly in us, and to see how God will speak and what He wants to do. So you gotta believe practically you got to be in prayer you got to be in the word but secondly you need to belong and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this first one because we talked a lot about this last week guys you have to be in community you have to let people know you not everybody needs to know you but there needs to be at least somebody who knows you and by knows you I mean really knows you I want to ask you this question is there at least one person in your life that you are completely transparent with is there at least one person in your life that knows everything, the good, the bad, and the ugly about what's going on in your heart and in your life, in your soul. And I want to tell you something. If there's not, if you don't have at least one person that knows, that knows everything, that you're being completely transparent with, I want to tell you something. You're playing games. You're playing games. Not everybody needs to know it, but somebody needs to know it. And see, this is where discipleship gets hard. This is where the rub comes. Because we like things that make us feel good, but confessing our sin to one another never makes us feel good, yet it's commanded in the word. Over a hundred times in the New Testament, you have this little phrase, it's just one word in the Greek, but, but it, this little phrase, one another, one another. Um, 59 of those times are specific commands. Um, here is, let me just read them to you quickly, I'm not gonna give the reference, but the New Testament says, strengthen one, these are commands. 
strengthen one another, help one another, encourage one another, care for one another, forgive one another, submit to one another, commit to one another, build trust with one another, be devoted to one another, be patient with one another, be interested in one another, be accountable to one another, confess to one another, live in harmony with one another, do not be conceited towards one another, do not pass judgment on one another, do not slander one another, instruct one another, greet one another, admonish one another, spur one another on towards love and good deeds, meet with one another, agree with one another, be concerned for one another, be humble toward one another in love, be compassionate towards one another, do not be consumed by one another, do not be angry towards one another, do not lie towards one another, do not grumble towards one another, give preference to one another, be at peace with one another, sing to one another, be of the same mind to one another, comfort one another, be kind to one another, live in peace with one another, and carry one another's burdens. Those are commands in the New Testament. When Jesus gave the commission, the great commission, he said, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded. That is part of what he has commanded. And in order for us to keep those commands, we have to be in relationship with each other. Does that make sense? And here's another pressing question, okay? In light of those passages and also John chapter 13, where Jesus said, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. And by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another, okay? Now listen, this is a tough question, but I'm asking it to my own heart as well, okay? In light of all those commands that I just read about loving one another, okay? As you look at your life and then you take a look at your life over and against that mirror of the word, those commands that I just read in the New Testament, um, and the way it describes the way in which we're to love one another, uh, I wanna ask you this question. Is there a possibility that you're pretty consistently living in sin? See, to, to not obey these commands, or to not even attempt to obey them, is sin. And I wonder how many of us don't experience more of the power and the freshness, the, the life of God, because we're not seeking to live a life of discipleship where we obey his commands. Hear me, folks, this is not legalism. I'm not talking about earning your salvation. I'm talking about working out your salvation with fear and trembling, giving God everything. You, you with me? Okay, Conrad, lock the door. Don't let anybody out, okay? Um, We have to ask these questions of, of our heart, and if we're not consistently in community, um, it's really hard to obey any of these one another's if we're not in any sort of proximity to each other. And again, I've given you this little statistic before, but, but nationwide now, um, the, and again, guys, give me some grace here. You, you know my heart, I'm like, I, don't, I don't really care necessarily about how many people are here on Sunday mornings other than that I want us just to be in proximity to each other all the time. But you know, nationwide, it's people that say, I love Jesus, I'm all in, I love my church. Average church attendance is 1.6 times a month, less than twice a month. And those aren't phenomenal, those are the people that say, I'm all in, I love Jesus, I'm committed to his mission. And again, I'm not saying like maturity you know, is directly equal with, you know, church attendance. But I'm saying, guys, we, we have to be together. 
in order to obey these commands. Secondly, regarding belong, partnership. I won't spend a lot of time on this, um, but very practical. Guys, historically, God's people have been what you would call creedal and covenantal, is that they have been held together by creeds or by doctrines, you might say, the truth of God's word that has been articulated, formulated um, into what we believe the Bible to teach in an encapsulated way, and they have been covenantal. They've been devoted to one another. I'll give you one place really quickly, Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. It says, and they, this is after the day of Pentecost, Peter preaches, 3,000 people get saved, baptized, add to their number. It says, and they devoted themselves. They devoted themselves to this. So listen, the apostles' teaching, creed, doctrine, truth, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, which we still have in this book, okay? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Listen, and day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food, listen, with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. God's ultimately the one that does the work. He's the one that adds to our number. But they were devoted to these things. And guys, we need to be devoted to these things. Um, and again, I'm not gonna get into all the processes of becoming a partner here at Mercy Hill, but my point is, is that the local church is not just something that you date. It's something that you're married to and that you're part of, something that you're committed to because Christ was committed to it. Um, we are his bride and we need to be committed. We need to be committed to each other in that way. Thirdly, believe, belong, and then become. Guys, there's... The Christian life, the life of becoming more and more like Jesus until he brings us home to glory and we're finally, when we see him, the Bible says we'll be like him. Uh, it's a process. It's a process. Um, and in that process, uh, there are kind of stages of development. It's not always clean. You know, sometimes, my wife will tell you, sometimes I still act very immature. Um, even though I think even though I'm 38 years old and I should be more mature, sometimes I still act immature. Like it's not always a clean process, but one of the, one of the grids that I just wanna hold up for you real quickly <coughs> in 1 John, John describes three different groups of people and he's not talking about this isn't on a natural level that he's speaking, but he speaks of little children, fathers, and young men. Okay, just listen to these verses, 1 John 2, verses 12 through 14. He says, I'm writing to you little children because your sins are forgiven for my name's sake. I'm writing to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you young men because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you children because you know the father. I write to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you young men because you are strong and the word abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. Here's the three grids that Paul he says, little children, young men, fathers, okay? All those are the children of God. And if you're in any of those categories, and again, you're not, you're not just one necessarily and not the, not, not the other. Um, but just take honest evaluation of your life. And if you're a little child in the Lord, guys, that is wonderful. 
that is absolutely wonderful. But God wants to move you on to becoming a young man or a young woman. And he wants you to become mature. And what does God say in moving again with the children? He says, he tells them two things. Your sins are forgiven and you know the Father. Be rooted and grounded in those things. But what, what does he say to the young men? He says, you've overcome the evil one. And then he says again, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you. You move from childhood to in kind of like adolescence or becoming a young man. Here's, here's, here's the transition you need to make. Yes, your father loves you and he forgives you, but you're also in a fight. You're in a battle. And you have a real enemy that wants to destroy your soul. And a big part of maturity is like, you know, like, like, like with, with my... Uh, Sorry, boys. I was, my boys, I use them too many times for sermon illustrations, but you go with what you know, okay? Um, and, we're, and, and I should say, to give this little caveat too, is that like it's Christmas time, and so I think everybody's been doing this, okay? But like at some point, they need to recognize, and I need to realize this too, is that life is more than just playing video games, right? That's okay. Christmas Day, we pretty much, you know, vegged out, had a good time, and played, they played video. But life is more than that, right? Listen, his forgiveness, the fact that he's your father, man, that's all, I'm not saying to move on about it, you definitely don't forget it, you're rooted and grounded in love. But brothers and sisters, you gotta move on to the reality that you're in a fight. There's a, there, there's a, there's a battle going on, bullets are flying. And if you don't acknowledge that, doesn't mean that you won't get hit by a bullet. You need to acknowledge the battle that you're in. And then I won't take time to go into this again. We gotta keep moving, but, but then he speaks to fathers. Those who know him who is from the beginning. In other words, we'll, there, there's, this God is unsearchable. He's eternal. He's the great I am. Um, but here's the question in becoming. Have, I just wanna ask you this question, very practical. Have you ever intentionally asked someone else who is more mature than you in the faith to pour into you for a season for the sake of your own maturity? Let me say it again. Have you intentionally sought out somebody else who's more mature in you than the, in the faith to pour into you for a season for the sake of your own maturity? You need to seek that out. If not, there's a good chance that you're probably going to stay a babe in Christ. Natural growth, when we grow physically, it, it happens naturally like DNA, like it comes in, it wants to pull us along. The Holy Spirit's in us, he wants to sanctify us, he wants to grow us to maturity. But listen, in the Christian life, there have to be intentional steps that are taken to pursue that. And if you don't, then again, you're, you're just playing games and you're not gonna grow. The writer of Hebrews says to the, to the, the recipients of the letter, he says, by this time you ought to be teachers in Christ, but you, you actually have need to somebody to teach you again the elemental, elemental principles of the word because they weren't being intentional about having somebody pour, pour into them. Being trained, I'm not gonna go into, you know, we have the E2 course, you can find out more about this stuff, but again, I read from 1 Timothy chapter four, um, a couple weeks ago, Paul says, train yourself, toil and strive, devote, practice, immerse, keep a close watch on, persist in, all these things, in, in pursuing godliness. And we have to, be willing to go, to go after these things. Just one other word here, okay? Um, for, before I move on, there's, there's, a, there's an epidemic in our culture of, of fatherlessness. Um, I believe it's like 40% of all kids that are born now nationwide are born without a dad. The dad's just not around. Um, 
And many times in life, the, not always, and I'm not trying to get weird here, but many times the physical represents or mirrors the spiritual or the spiritual is mirrored in the, in the physical. And just like there's an epidemic in the world of natural fathers that are just not around, that there's a whole generation now being raised without their dads around, the same is true spiritually in the church. Is that we have a bunch of people that are trying to be raised up without any spiritual fathers or mothers pouring into them. And one of the biggest ways that discipleship has failed on a whole, and I'm really, really adamant and asking the Lord to help show us practical ways and to lead us and guide us that this would not happen at Mercy Hill. But the reason people don't come to maturity is because they don't have a spiritual father or mother that's pouring into them. Um, And it's something that we need to remedy. Uh, Paul said this, and again, then I'll move on. He says, I do not write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. Listen, for though you have countless guides in Christ, and listen, I'm not saying it's all bad, but you can go to the Christian bookstore, and man, there's books guide upon guide upon guide. And man, it's good stuff. Like, I'm not knocking it. I love going to the Christian bookstore, buying books, and like, that's fine. But for though you have countless guides in Christ, you don't have many fathers. He says, for I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. And for some of you, I wanna let you know that God intends for you to have a spiritual father or mother that can pour into your life, not control your life, but pour into your life. And for also many of you, listen, if you're here in the Lord and you've been walking with Jesus, and it doesn't have to be this long, I'm just throwing this number out there, okay, it's very arbitrary, but if you've been walking with Jesus for 15, 20, 30 years, you need to be pouring into somebody. And if you're not, I believe that you are not walking in God's will for you. Whatever you've received, whether it's truth, teaching, grace, help from other people, God gave it to you so that he could bring it through you. And there's a lot of people that need to be lovingly, lovingly parented. Um, Lastly, just real quickly, be strong. And we're back to where we started that we be sent and that we be, and that we be disciple makers. Um, guys, in the end, I want all of us to be able to say this, okay? This is what Paul said. I wanna be able to say it for my own life. I want you to be able to say it. If you can't say it, that's okay, but you can start to say it or to be able to say it with sincerity. And I don't mean literally just go around saying it to everybody, but I mean being able to say it with sincerity in your heart. Here's what he said, 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Can you say that? Listen, it's not imitate me because I am just like Christ. Or imitate me because you're gonna see everything perfectly in me and I, no, 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 that's not, that's, that's not an excuse. Imitate me or follow me as I follow Christ. So many Christians are afraid to be leaders, but and, they, and they're afraid to be leaders because they think that they can't be a leader because leadership is all about leadership. Christian leadership is not about actually being a good leader, it's about being a good follower. Is that guys, we're all trying to follow Jesus. In Philippians chapter three, a passage that I'm sure you guys are familiar with and that I've read many times, he says, whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish 
in order that I may gain Christ and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or am already perfect, but listen, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Paul's not working for grace, he's working from grace because Christ had made him his own. He says, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Listen, let those of us who are mature think this way. That's what maturity looks like, and if you can't say that, then we need to be pursuing that, because that's maturity saying, I'm still learning, I'm still growing, but hey, follow me because I'm trying to follow Jesus. That's not arrogance. That's confidence in the word of God and that by God's grace, we are gonna follow him and he's gonna see us through. Worship team, you can come up and we're gonna close. Um, Josh, flash that first picture of that castle up there for me. Uh, <clears throat> this is Edinburgh Castle, and it's not Edinburgh, uh, that's what I, it's kind of the way it's spelled or how we Americans would say it, but it's Edinburgh, um, and I know that because uh, several years ago, Hannah and I had the privilege of being able to go uh, to Scotland. We had a friend who was in Northern Ireland at the time, and then we jumped across the pond to Scotland um, and uh, to visit another pastor friend that was over there. And Edinburgh Castle um, in Scotland, this is kind of like, you know, if you ever watch Braveheart, William Wallace, the whole thing. Um, it didn't happen here, but it was in this, in this area. There was a guy dressed like William Wallace as we walked up, as we walked up to the castle. Um, but this is one of the oldest um, castles in all of Europe. And uh, what's interesting about it is that it's still standing, and it's still one of the oldest castles, even though it by far and away has been laid siege to more than any other castle in all of Europe. Um, it, it, was, it was attacked and changed hands, I think. Over, it was built in like 1130 AD, okay, and I can't even do the math on that right now, but it's pretty old. Um, and, uh, and it was attacked like 23 different times. It changed hands. And different people would come and they would take it and the next group the next group would take it yet it still stood and just a couple of practical things because I think this is a beautiful picture of of how we grow in Christ number one is the reason that it still stands there's a couple reasons number one is they always kept improving they always kept improving what I mean by that is one group one time um and if you guys ever watched uh Braveheart there's a dude in that in the movie called Robert the Bruce and he sent some men, and they scaled the one wall. And they came in at night, and they overtook it. That was one of the groups that overtook it. Well, once they got it back, they knew that they'd scaled the wall, and so, man, we need to make that wall higher. That's a weakness. And so they would fortify, they, they, they made that wall higher. See, like they, they, they kept building. They kept, they kept improving. They would look for weaknesses, and they would continue to try to fortify um, the structure. And I say that because obviously, like all that we're talking about this morning, guys, I know that I, I was loud and then I was long, OK? 
okay? <laughs> but like, but, <clears throat> but guys, we got to keep going. We got, we got to keep improving. And listen, I'm not, I'm just trying to do that for my own life. And I'm trying to show you very briefly this morning, um, just how we're trying to do that as a church. Because we got to keep going. We got to keep improving. And maybe you've been broken into a couple times. Maybe you've been under attack and maybe you feel like you've been overthrown. No, you haven't been overthrown. We just got to continue to build, continue to shore areas up, continue to get in community, continue to get into the word, continue to grow in prayer. And over time, God, God is going to make us strong. And I'll tell you, and I'll tell you the, the other reason, and Josh, you can put that other picture up there, the other reason why it stood. Number one, they always kept improving, but number two, and I love this picture. And this is the real, this is a real picture of it, by the way, but it's built upon a massive rock, a massive rock. They think it was probably a volcano that erupted hundreds of years ago. Um, and I said, because this place, like just those two pictures of constantly improving, constantly, you know, looking for those weaknesses. But guys, in the end, even if you feel like you've been kind of overcome and overthrown or whatever, you know, I don't know what kind of, what's, what season of life that you're in. My exhortation to you this morning is just to keep going. Because ultimately, if you know Jesus Christ, your life is built upon the rock. And he's not going anywhere. And the enemy may come and he may try to overrun your castle for a while, but listen, in the end, the rock is immovable. And if Jesus Christ is your foundation, it doesn't matter how many times you fail or how many times you feel like you've let the enemy in. You just need to keep building. You need to keep building and you need to keep shoring up areas of your life in practical ways by his grace. Listen, and God is going to make you and us together. Guys, he's gonna make us strong. But you can't give up. You can't give up. I've told you guys this before and I'll, I'll finally be done here, but I, I can't tell you guys how many times I've quit ministry. Hannah could tell you how many times I've, I've just quit. Not just because the enemy always attacks me, but many times because I'm such a sinner. And I, and I just feel like not good enough and I've got things in my own life. Um, and the enemy comes in again and he does something. But listen, I, if there's one thing I've learned, it's that God is faithful. And I, it's incredible. He's faithful. And if you're just committed to just continue to build, no matter how many times you've been attacked or you feel like you've been overthrown or you feel like you failed, just continue to build. Guys, you're going to stand because God is our rock and he's faithful. Amen? Does this make sense? So I know this was a lot this morning, but you guys stand with me. And... Uh, We'll close here. If you're helping serve communion,